are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you on February 9th of 2021, just a couple days after uh, that fantastic Super Bowl we just had between the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so wh- how, what did you think about that Super Bowl, Matt? Oh, boy. Um, it was um, it, it was something. I mean, I, I was I was very surprised, honestly. The I thought the Chiefs were by far the better team and just goes to show you that you know if you turn the ball over and you make a bunch of penalties um anything can happen when you've got two pretty good teams matching up so absolutely and it just shows like what that offensive line being out for kansas city you know that it really actually did impact the game more than people thought it was going to myself included um but we had a we had a, a really packed week um you know we'll talk about how the league and the players finally came to um, a close on their discussions. Of that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. I don't know if it was yeah. an agreement. I think it was just a close. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, just just closing. I mean, I don't think they were actually going to ever agree on anything, which we'll talk about here. But uh, you know, players are starting to sign. We've saw pretty much the the last remaining big free agent sign. I mean, we have one more out there, which we'll talk about later in the show, but. Uh, before we jump into you know the actual moves, let's let's go into this you know closure of of what this season's going to look like. Yeah, so um, basically, you know, with the coronavirus still going on, and although vaccines are starting to get out, numbers seem like in a lot of places are starting to go down a little bit. There's a little bit of uh, encouragement there, although it's still a very serious uh, ordeal right now. Um, they did bring back some of their um, some of their special rules from last year. These are are not long term rules. But, uh, you know, just for this season, because the potential is still there for there to be some COVID cases on teams that cause some postponements, um, they're bringing back the seventh inning doubleheaders and uh, the extra innings runner on second rule, which I don't really like uh, either one of those rules long term, but I totally get it this year for um, for the lack of, um, you know, the, the potential that there might have to be a, a large amount of makeup games Um you know, for some teams. So, um, you know, that's, that's coming back and then, uh, not coming back, uh, are somewhat surprisingly the universal DH. Although I think most people are kind of expecting that to be in next year's, uh, new collective bargaining agreement and, um, the expanded playoffs, which I think is a very good thing that that's not coming back. Cause when you play a 162 game season, um, there's a, it's a big difference for playing a 60 game season and expanded playoffs are not, not good. In fact, I was reading somewhere earlier today that a uh, back in 2019, before um, you know, obviously before all the pandemic and everything and the expanded playoffs talk started, um, the number of 16, the 16th team, which by the way is over half the teams in Major League Baseball make the playoffs in that scenario, uh, the 16th team would have been the 78 and 84 Texas Rangers. So uh, that just goes to show you, with all due respect to the Rangers. Um, they were not a very good team in 2019, and that just kind of goes to show you what the expanded playoffs would bring. That that team would have been able to, you know, have a three-game series to potentially upset the Yankees um, or the Astros, whichever one was the one seed. I don't even remember, but um, that will lead us into uh, pitchers and catchers reporting on February 17th um, for for most teams, and some on the 18th for spring training. So exciting, exciting stuff. We're only well uh, a week and a day 
from the 17th, it looks like. So um, we're getting close. Yeah, I mean, when we record our next podcast, it'll be the next day that pitchers and catchers start re- reporting. So, um, you know, one interesting little nugget about that this year is that, you know, sometimes the position players will report early as well. But due to, you know, part of this agreement, we'll, we'll just call it that for now, but um, is that position players can't report early. Um, so they're going to have to report on the 22nd or 23rd for their respective teams. Um, so that'll be, you know, another week away from that. But baseball's here pretty much. Um, you know, the Super Bowl is pretty much the, the last thing uh, before the baseball season really starts kicking off. So it's it's very exciting. And I think you, you kind of see that, that players in, are starting to sign. You know, you're probably going to see more trades start happening just for clearing off roster spots and, and you know, minor league signings and stuff start happening. So. A lot, a lot going on right now in the, in the baseball world, which is more than we can say for most of this offseason. So. Yeah, so um, let's get into some uh, free agents, if, if you're ready, Damian. And uh, we can start off here with a, a guy who is going back to the same team he was with last year, um, although that team he never played for. Uh, that would be Andrew Chafin. Yeah, Andrew Chafin was acquired by the Chicago Cubs at the trade deadline. Um, He ended up being injured and didn't pitch for them at all last year. Uh, He signs a $2.25 million deal with a mutual option, um, which is for a price of $5.25 million. He has a $500,000 buyout on that, which will most likely happen. Um, Chafin's been a solid reliever ever since he's come up. Um, 2015 with the Diamondbacks, he pitched 75 innings, had a 276 ERA. Um, a 3.35 FIP. He's had one bad year. That was 2016. But every other year after that, he's been a really good, um, you know, lefty reliever. Most of the time, he was in that come get one or two batters out for a little bit. Uh, but he's also been a guy who can pitch, you know, an inning or maybe multiple innings at a time and still be very solid. So uh, it, it'll be a good pickup for the for the Cubs. You know, getting a, a nice lefty reliever in that bullpen, which you know can always use some help. Yeah, he's a guy who, um, like you said, battled in- injury. He only pitched in nine and two-thirds innings last year, so his stats were not very good, but it was a very, very short uh, season, you know, and, and one even, not even a implosive, but just bad outing can uh, could hurt you big time in that amount. But in his career, 367 ERA, uh, good strikeout pitcher, 9.54 strikeouts per nine. He does walks, you know, a little too many guys. Sometimes that walk rate will spike for him, but... 3.87 walks per nine for his career and only a 3.23 FIP for his career. So, so that's a very good number um, fielding independent pitching. So um, we'll see um, what happens with Andrew Chafin. Um, I think the Cubs desperately needed to add to that bullpen because they had not added very much to it. And it was pretty much the worst bullpen in the league other than the Phillies last year. It was, it was a disaster. Um, and they've already lost a couple of their better relievers from last year, and Jeremy Jeffress being one of them. So, um, you know, they really needed to bring in somebody, and Andrew Chafin would be a guy who I think fits that bill pretty well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll jump from one Central Division to the other Central Division. So we're going to jump over to the AL Central, um, and a guy who's staying in division but signing with a new team. That's Alex Colome. Um, He's switching teams from the Chicago White Sox to the Minnesota Twins, signing a one-year $6.25 million deal. Uh, you would presume to be in a closer platoon, I would say, with uh, it's Taylor Rogers over there, right? Yes, or is it Tyler? yes. Taylor. They, Tyler. Taylor, Tyler, I don't know. They're close enough. Um, but they would pretty much be in a closer platoon 
Um, Colomay has been a very good pitcher in his major league career as a closer. Um, you know, pitched you know, 2016, 37 saves with the Rays, 2017, 47 saves. 2018, he started as a closer, 12 saves, and he got traded to the White Sox and wasn't their closer um, for the rest of that season. But then in 2019, he had 30 saves. And in this past, you know, shortened season, even in uh, in 21 games, he had 12 saves. So he's a guy who, you know, 295 career ERA, 354 FIP, uh, decent strikeout pitcher, will walk, you know, some every once in a while, but he, he's solid. I mean, just, just pretty much really good, solid bullpen arm. Yeah, Alex Colome, I, I agree with a lot of that. He, he's a good bullpen arm. His ground ball rate's actually gone up a little bit. Uh, it helped lead to 2020, he had a .81 ERA. Uh, now that number was also pretty inflated against his peripherals, which were 297 FIP and a uh, 426X FIP, which is the the measure of, um, you know, reducing or going to an average home run per fly ball rate um, compared to like your batted ball profile you're allowing. So, you know, some of the predictors didn't love him this past year, but a .81 ERA is nothing to scoff at there. Um, he's a guy who has always outperformed those peripherals a little bit. You know, that 354 career FIP and a uh, 295 career ERA. He, he's a good pitcher, uh, gets the ball on the ground, gets some weak contact. A little bit uh, unorthodox for a closer in, in that standpoint. You know, typically you think of the fireballer who strikes everybody out as the closer, but um, Alex Colomay is a solid reliever. He'll do well with the Twins. Uh, he'll go into a situation where he's probably replacing Trevor May, who departed for the Mets earlier in the offseason. So um, I think this is a pretty good signing for the Twins. They bring him in on a one-year contract, uh, so no, no long-term risk for them. Uh, and I think they're going to have a pretty good bullpen once again, so a solid move for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And a couple other pitchers that uh, we just wanted to mention, we didn't think that we really needed to go in-depth on them, was uh, Joaquin Soria signed with the D-backs, Jason Shreve signed with the Pirates, uh, King Felix Hernandez, who who is probably the biggest name on this, uh, he signed a minor league deal with the Orioles, uh, Chase Anderson signed with the Phillies, and Nate Jones signed a minor league deal with the Braves. Yeah, I thought those were pretty interesting. Uh, Joaquin Soria has been around a long time, um, you know, good move for the Diamondbacks. They pick up a veteran reliever. Uh, Chase and Shreve, who, uh, you know, has been with the Yankees, Braves. Um, he, you know, I, he's been with somebody else as well. But he, he was uh, with the Cardinals for the Luke Voigt trade, wasn't he? That might be that might be correct. I, I believe so. So he, he signs with the Pirates. Um, you know, the Pirates add a veteran reliever to their bullpen. You know, good thing to do. Help maybe help with some of the young guys, give you some stability there. Um, Felix Hernandez, um, he actually was really good in spring training last year with the Braves, but um, he, um, you know, we'll see. He opted out of the season. He never got to pitch, so we'll see what he does with the Orioles. Uh, I think that's a cool signing, a buy-low type thing for the Orioles. You know, maybe they can flip him at the deadline if he does really well. Uh, Chase Anderson, um, you know, guy who's been around a little bit, veteran guy to for the Phillies to pick up, you know, he'll, I assume he'd end up at the rotation there. Um, you know, maybe a, maybe a number four or five type starter for them. And then Nate Jones, I think is an interesting pickup for the Braves uh, guy who has at times been really good, but has battled some elbow problems last couple of years. So, um, you know, we'll see if he's healthy and ready to go, but the Braves needed some right-handed uh, relief help and that's going to help them. I believe, you know, I think he'll probably end up on the major league team. So, yep. So uh, we'll go into Jonathan Scope now. He re-signed with the Detroit Tigers on a one-year, $4.5 million deal. 
Um, you know, Scope is mostly known for his time with the Orioles. His best season was, I believe it was 2017. He had a 293 batting average, 338 on base, you know, 120 WRC plus, put up 3.7 wins above replacement that year. Um, he's not quite that same player. You know, his, his uh, on base has dropped a little bit, you know, more to around close to 300. His batting average was has dropped, but he had a decent 2020, went batting 278. Um, you know, he's a decent major league second baseman and he's not going to wow you with anything, but he's going to be pretty solid. He'll hit you, you know, close to 20 home runs. He doesn't play great defense. I mean, probably a little bit below league average defense, but you know, for a team like the Tigers who are rebuilding in that phase, he was there last year with them. I'm surprised they didn't actually trade him for them just to re-sign him this year. Maybe they flip him out of deadline, you know, a more regular trade deadline this year and get something back. Yeah, I like the idea of the Tigers bringing back Jonathan Scope. I think he's a, a good guy to have around. Uh, he's been on some really good teams back when he was with the Orioles before the Orioles tank started. Um, he, um, you know, he's a, been around a long time. He, he's a guy who can lead by example. Um, he seems to be, you know, going to go about his business the right way and, and everything. Um, you know, his career numbers, like you say, not great. He's got a sub 300 on base percentage in his career. One of the lowest walk rates in the big leagues. I believe I looked up earlier in the uh, lowest, the highest walk rate he ever has run over a full season was like 5.4%, which is atrocious. He strikes out a lot, but he's at times put together some good, uh, good offensive seasons. This past season in 2020, um, you know, in the shortened season, he put up a 114 WRC plus. So he was, you know, a pretty good bit above average. Um, you know, solid hitter at times. He can put the ball all over the field, which leads to a high batting average on balls in play. That helps his value a lot. Um, you know, 10.9 wins above replacement in his career. He's a solid everyday second baseman, and I'm a little surprised that he didn't decide to go to a contender somewhere. But uh, I think it's a good move to bring him back if you're the if you're the Tigers, just to have that veteran presence in your clubhouse. Have a guy who goes out there every day. You got some young infielders, guys like Jamar Candelario. Um, you know, maybe could look up to him a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think it's a solid move for the Tigers. Yeah, it really is. Um, that, you know, we'll transition from this second baseman to another second baseman. Um, with Colton Wong, he signed a two-year $18 million deal with the Milwaukee Brewers that has a third-year club option on that. Um, I believe you said before the show Wong has won two gold gloves in his career. He's a fantastic defensive second baseman. Um, Can play a little bit of center field as well and still plays that at a decent clip as well. Um, You know, walks about 10% of the time. or Yeah, walks about 10% of the time. Strikes out not too much, right around 15%. Um, He's a decent on-base guy. You know, past couple seasons, 361, 350 on-base, 285, 265 um, batting average. You know, he's right about league average, comes in about a 96 WRC plus. Um, you know, so you'll take that with the um, the level of defense that Colton Wong plays at second and, and center field. Yeah, I, I like this move a ton. It, this is one of my favorite moves, I think, of the offseason so far. Um, the Brewers really needed need some stability in their lineup. They've got some guys who are a little bit volatile, uh, guys who are a little inconsistent, strike out a lot. Um, you look at like Keston Hira. He's a guy who you know you hope to that he continues to improve his game as he as he gets a little bit uh, older, more seasoned. But um, you know, so far he's been a guy who strikes out a lot and is real streaky. 
Uh, Christian Yelich this past year struck out a ton, was really inconsistent. I think he is closer back to normal Christian Yelich that we saw for his first couple of years in Milwaukee after, you know, when in not a short season, but still um, you add a guy who is a great on base guy. I, I was really shocked when I looked up Colton Wong's stats and I saw that the last few years he's run a, a close to 10% walk rate because he's a guy who doesn't hit for power. And, um, you know, uh, his strikeout rate's been below 15% for a lot of his career. So he, he walks a lot, great plate discipline. And anytime you have a guy with great plate discipline, sometimes you change their scenery a little bit. You put them in a different ballpark, you know, Miller Park's a place where, you know, hitters usually do pretty well. You could see the power numbers go up a little bit. And that's really the knock on Colton Wong is his career 384 slugging percentage is pretty bad. So, you know, if he maybe can knock a couple home runs over the short porch and right and, you know, improve on that just a little bit. You could have a really solid player with his defense and base running there. Um, 2019, he put up almost four wins above replacement. So this is a guy who, um, you know, has had some seasons where he was really good. You're getting him on a pretty good deal. And um, I, I really, really like this deal for the Brewers. Help him, help them, you know, possibly contend in the NL Central. Yeah, it's going to make the Central one of the mo- more um, interesting divisions to watch, you know. None of the teams we are going to run away with that division. You know, the Pirates and the Reds are probably going to be way behind everybody else. Um, so that battle between the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals at the top of that division is going to be pretty fascinating because they've pretty much all made solid moves to, you know, upgrade the team, but none, no one has really, um, you know, separated themselves. The Cubs are taking a little bit of a step back, but they still, you know, signed a couple people. We've talked about Jock Peterson, Andrew Chafin today. So... It's gonna make that that division really fascinating to watch about which which team decides to actually you know separate themselves and maybe make a move at the deadline and push all in for it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, probably the most interesting division when it comes to you know really four teams having a shot at uh, the division title. There, um, the next guy we have on our list uh, that signed he actually signed I believe it was today. Yep. Um, was uh, Jonathan VR, who is a veteran uh, shortstop slash outfielder slash second baseman, plays a little bit of everything. He signed with the Mets on a one-year $3.5 million deal. Um, he's he had a pretty volatile career. He, he was He's a 259 hitter on his career, a uh, 327 on base guy, 400 slugging, um, 8.3 wins above replacement. This past year was pretty atrocious at the plate. Uh, 232 average. He did have a 301 on base, he, he, so the walk rate was still pretty good when you compare that to his very, very uh, mediocre average, but only a 292 slugging, which is, uh, <laughs> for a guy who in his career slugs 400, uh, is pretty atrocious. That was a 66 WRC+. plus. He's not a guy who's going to provide you with excellent defense anywhere. Uh, but in 2019 with the Orioles, he, um, you know, hit 274 with a 339 on base and a 453 slugging, uh, career-high 24 homers, put up over four wins above replacement. So he was an all-star level player in 2019 and um, also had in 2016 had a fantastic season as well where he stole 62 bases for the Malky Brewers. So this is a guy who's a little volatile. He's had a couple of really, really good seasons where he felt kind of like an all-star, but other than that, it's been pretty much a replacement level player. So uh, interesting signing. I'm assuming the Mets will hope to get him on one of those uh, good seasons and we'll see what happens there. Yeah. He's he's just seeming to be more of a utility bat that they're going to use all around. Um, You know, like you said, can play pretty much everywhere for him. Um, which is kind of something that they lack is depth overall. Um, so 
you know, be decent. And then a, a guy who you can bring in late in games if you haven't used him as maybe a runner. You know, he's stolen 218 career bases. Um, you know, you talked about that 62 stolen base season. He had 23, 35, 40 after that. And even in this shortened season, he had 16. So he's a guy who can get out there and, and you know, steal you a good amount of bases and, and runs the bases very well. So, you know, a little, little utility signing for the Mets isn't going to be too bad. Um, so we'll move on to our next signing that we had, which is one we've been speculating on, and I think we even touched about it to be expected for it to be done this week. Um, and that is Yadier Molina re-signs with the Cardinals on a one-year, $9 million deal. Yeah, Yadier Molina, uh, you know, a fantastic catcher, especially defensively. Uh, in his career, he's put up 54.5 wins above replacement, which is on the cusp of Hall of Fame level. Um, you know, a nine-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glover. I think at this point, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. He, he's going to be okay at the plate. He's going to hit for a decent average, but he's not a good on-base guy. He doesn't hit for a lot of power. He's going to be not quite the defender he once was, but he'll still be pretty good back there, especially um, especially as a pitch framer and a uh, you know game caller. Uh, he still does have a pretty good arm, can throw throw guys out at second, but uh, he his biggest value is his veteran leadership, and he and you know he, he's a Cardinals legend, you know, and they love him there, and you know he they had to bring him back if he wasn't going to retire. So I, I think this is a good move for for St. Louis. Yeah, he's been a part of that um, you know organization for 16 seasons. Um, so kind of just what, what we were talking about with Adam Wainwright before. Um, you know, you couldn't imagine Yadier Merlina in any other uniform outside of the St. Louis Cardinals. So, you know, veteran leader, like you said, he's a guy who commands respect behind the plate. And for, you know, a lot of the young pitchers that they have on that staff, you know, Dakota Hudson, Alex Reyes, if he's going to come back this year, Jack Flaherty and everything, these guys really love throwing to him. And Yadier Molina expects them to be, you know, just as good as, as he is behind the plate. So. A very good good signing for the Cardinals. It was one that we pretty much all expected to happen. So, yeah, we'll uh, not spend too much time on that one, but we'll move on to Adam Duvall um, from previously of the Atlanta Braves signs a one-year, four-point-five million-dollar deal with the Miami Marlins. Yeah, Adam Duvall is a a pretty good player. Um, first off, you know people don't talk enough about it, but his defense, the outfield, is pretty good. You know when you throw him in left field, uh, he doesn't have the range for center uh, or the speed, but you throw him in left field and his defense is pretty solid. Um, but he's a guy who he hits home runs, but he strikes out a ton and he, he hits the ball in the air probably too much, which is something we don't hear very often this year, these days. But he uh, he's a guy who his Babbitt runs pretty low. He doesn't, doesn't get a lot of, you know, hits on balls in play. And, uh, you know, it's 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 home run or bust for him. Um, you know, you saw that a little bit last year. He hit 17 home runs in the regular season, put up a, a solid year. But then in the postseason, he was atrocious through the first two series and then uh, got hurt in the first game against the Dodgers. So, um, you know, Adam Duvall is a guy who he's going to help the Marlins. Uh, you know, he's a pretty good upside play for them. We'll see if he's able to continue, um, you know, kind of what he did in the regular season last year. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a fun player to watch. Gets a lot of home runs. He had uh, one of the only players, he might be the only player ever, to hit, to have two three-homer games in a week last year. So uh, that was pretty crazy. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the Marlins. And I think it's a pretty good move for both sides. Yeah, a nice underrated signing for the Marlins, really. Like you said, not many people talk about Adam Duvall the way he probably should be talked about as a as a solid, you know, 
outfielder that can play a decent defense in left field. He might be able to play a little bit of right field. You know, the defense is going to take a little bit more of a hit over there, but solid signing for the Marlins who were, you know, in the playoffs last year. And there's a little rumblings of them talking about, you know, potentially trading one of their first basemen slash outfielders today anyways. So maybe even see Adam Duvall, maybe transition to playing a little bit of first base if, if that happens. Yeah, he has played, he has played third base some in his career. I'm assuming that they would, you know, be feel pretty comfortable with him playing first base with, with his experience being over at third. So, absolutely. Well, we'll start jumping into the more impactful signings. We'll say um, Nelson Cruz, a guy who we can pretty much pencil in for 40 home runs every year now, uh, re-signed on a one-year, 13 million dollar deal with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, Nelson Cruz, a uh, guy who uh, really a late bloomer. He he didn't really turn it on in the big leagues until uh he, well he really didn't get his opportunity in the big leagues until like age 28 or 29 with the with the uh texas rangers where he was pretty good but he didn't become the nelson cruz we know today until he was with the orioles and i believe it was 2014 when he had slugged his first 40 homer season and since then he's been one of the best hitters in baseball uh his career numbers uh 278 average 347 uh on base 529 slugging that's a 133 WRC plus, and um, you know he's getting on up there in the home run list. He's he's up to 417 career home runs, so uh, pretty solid, uh, pretty solid there. And then uh, 2019, 2020, uh, you know, just continued doing what he does. In fact, he set career highs at, at the plate with a 164 WRC plus in his last two seasons. He just keeps getting better and better. Um, so one year, 13 million dollar. The Twins needed him back, and I think he and obviously he's the DH. Uh, you know, his age, I believe this is age 40 season and it's age 40 season. You, you never know when a guy might start to fall off, but, uh, you know, I think you can probably expect Nelson Cruz to do what he's done the last several years, which is be really good at the plate. And that's what the DH needs to do. So I think, uh, for the twins, it's just exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, and even the past four years, he's really upped his walk rate by, you know, almost a full percent over his career average. Um, you know, his career average is an 8.8, .8 and he's had 10.9, 9.3, 10.7, 11.7 in 2020. You know, his strikeout rate has started rising a little bit, um, back up to about 27%, which he was close to those numbers a little earlier on in his career. Um but, you know, he guy who doesn't play defense but still put up a two wins above replacement pretty much this year um, in, a, in a shortened season. And the year before that put up 4.3. So Nelson Cruz is, is an impactful signing. Like you said, the Twins had to bring him back for, you know, just that clubhouse presence that they have. And, and a guy who still performs well above what he probably should be performing right now at this stage in his career. So uh, that'll transition us into Marcelo Zuna. Uh, he ended up re-signing with the Atlanta Braves on a four-year, $65 million deal um, that has a $15 million club option for, I believe, what year would that be? Uh, I believe that'd be like 2026, maybe 2025. Right around there. Uh, anyway, that, that would make the deal overall five years at $80 million. Yeah, I thought this was a great signing, especially the contract they got him for. Um, it's not without a little bit of risk because you are going to have to play him out in the field. But uh, as I pointed out before the show to Damian, uh, Marcelo Zuna won the 2017 Gold Glove in left field. So there is that. Um, you know, he had that high profile gaffe a couple of years ago in the outfield where he, you know, scaled the wall, thinking the ball was 
going to be gone, but it ended up not being gone, hitting on the warning track. That was pretty bad. But um, I do think he's better in, in left field than he gets credit for. Um, the arm is a problem now at, at this stage. He He's had some issues with that arm. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with him playing defense. But at the plate, he's been really good in his career a 276 average uh 335 on base 466 slugging but you know in 2020 he just absolutely torched everything uh 338 average 431 on base a 636 slugging 179 wrc plus he hit 18 home runs which led the national league uh this guy was insane in 2020 um you know he played some left field still in 2020 but mostly as a dh um, the contract, I think, is a great value, four-year, $64 million. Uh, that's only comes out to be $16 million a year on the AAV, uh, which for a guy who's hit at the level Marcelo Zuna's hit at is, is a really good deal. I mean, it's if you compare him to like a Nick Castellanos or J.D. Martinez, who are kind of similar players to him, you know, he's getting he's getting paid a lot less than they are uh, on this long-term deal. And then um, – you know, there is a little bit of risk to it. He's had a couple years with the Cardinals where he wasn't great. Um, you know, I think his 2019, he was pretty unlucky at the plate. You know, I remember when they signed with the Braves last year, looking at his peripherals and thinking, wow, he, he really was one of the more unlucky players in baseball last year. And it ended up being the case in 2020 that luck turned around. So don't expect him to put up a 179 WRC plus, but I, I would think that maybe somewhere around the 140 range, you know, is, is entirely possible for him in 2021. And, um, you know, it's just what the Braves needed. They needed to add that, that extra bat at length to that lineup. You know, now you get the one, two, three of, of, uh, of Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna. And then you've got some depth pieces in there like Dansby Swanson, Ozzy Albies. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do. Travis Darno, um, a couple of guys that, you know, they need some breakouts from to really be that stacked lineup that I think some people can are hoping that they could be. But um, I think the, I thought this was one of the better signings of the offseason so far. Yeah, when, you know, there had been rumors that the Braves were going to be out on him. And then it came down like, oh, hey, the Rays are interested and now the Braves are back in. And, and then once this deal finally dropped, um, you know, you look at the value and, and it shocked me that this is how, you know, how much he got. But. I mean that in a, in a bad term. I'm not. I mean that that's a great value for the Braves for what I expected Ozuna to get. You know, I expected him to go out and get a a four or five year deal, but for 110 million, you know, right around there. So to get him at four years, 65, and if you pick up that option, five years and 80, that's a that's an absolute steal for the Atlanta Braves. You know, 16 million is not terrible at all for the type of production that uh, Marcelo Ozuna is going to bring to that lineup. Yeah, for sure, and you know with the universal DH coming pretty soon, most likely, you know, 2022, um, you don't worry quite as much about the defensive issues then, but um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. He definitely will help the Braves this year. And uh, then we, uh, after Marcelo Zuno, we get down to the, uh, to the guy who I think was most people's number one free agent. He finally signed and in true Trevor Bauer format form, he signed in a, dramatic interesting way and signed a very dramatic interesting contract and that's never been done before so uh trevor bauer signed with the dodgers on a one on a three-year 102 million dollar deal it's 102 right yep yeah so um the breakdown on it is he's got an option a player option every year 
Um, first year, this coming up season, Trevor Bauer will be making $40 million. And uh, if that's not enough for you, then uh, in year two of the deal, $45 million. And in year three of the deal, well, it's $17 million. But you still get the point. He's going to be making a lot of money for the next two years. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens with Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy I've always, I've liked Trevor Bauer, you know, since he first came up with the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, and then he got traded to the Indians because you know there was uh, some falling out between the coaches. And Bauer is a unique personality. The way he does training, the way he does social media, the way he does a lot of things is very unorthodox, and, and a lot of people it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Um, so he burned a lot of bridges to start his career off. Um, you know, it's a lot of money, like you said. Um, but those player options after every year, you would expect this to basically be a two-year deal uh, for $85 million pretty much and opting out of that third year unless he's either really bad or he's injured. That would pretty much be what you would expect. Um, you know, if you look at Bauer's career, his peripherals, you know, the last couple seasons, he's really outperformed what they've said compared to what his ERA is. You know, 2018, he was on track to win the Cy Young with a 2.21 ERA and 2.44 um, filling independent pitching. And then he got a comebacker that uh, broke his shin and he was out for the rest of the year. Uh, and then in 2019, you know, he started off really bad with the Indians. Uh, he got traded to the Reds and that, you know, poor performance continued over. Uh, it came out after the year that he had pitched basically the entire season on torn ligaments in his ankle and that he had a little bit of shoulder issues from trying to pitch through that. Um, you know, in the 2020 season, he came out and he had a Cy Young. Obviously, he won the Cy Young. Uh, you know, 173 ERA, 288 fielding independent pitching. Um, his strikeouts jumped to 12.33% or Ks per nine. You know, it could be a little bit that he took advantage of, you know, the short schedule. Then he played the weakest two divisions with the NL Central and AL Central. Um, but, you know, if you look at that 2018, it's probably better than what his 2020 was anyways. And I believe in 2019, if he wouldn't have had that ankle and that shoulder soreness or injuries to those, he probably would have been more in line as a, as a you know, true number one or number two in the major leagues. You know, is any is any single player worth 40 or 45 million? I mean, no. I mean, you could even argue that Mike Trout's not worth that. But this is the type of deal that you kind of expected from Bauer. I mean, he had talked about he was only going to sign one year deal, and then it came into free agency. He was going to sign. He'd be open to any kind of deal, and and we started thinking, oh, he's going to get like a six or a seven year deal after this performance. And then it really started narrowing down at the end that it was going to be a you know maybe a four year three year with high AAVs and it ended up coming down to the Mets and the Dodgers. Um, and a lot of people in the Mets organization really thought that they actually had the deal done. Um, Bob Nightingale, which we you know joked about me last week messing up. He actually came out and said on uh, when was this? It was Wednesday night, right? I believe so. On Wednesday. No, it was Thursday night. It was Thursday night. Cause he signed on Friday, came out on Thursday night saying Trevor Bauer has agreed to a deal with the New York Mets. Um, and then just about 20 minutes later, uh, Mark Feinstein came out and said, that's not the case. And then on Monday morning, it's like, okay, now the Mets have set a deadline of this. And then, you know, right before, uh, I think it was right around noon, West Coast time, um, John Heyman just tweets out like Bauer to Dodgers. And then Bauer drops his video announcing that he had signed with the Dodgers. Um, but it was interesting because Sandy Alderson from the Mets said he had never been so far into ne a negotiation process with a player and agent and never got the player before. Um, 
So it really just shows about how fluent that this these two teams were against each other. I think what it really comes down to is that Bauer wanted to pitch on the West Coast. L.A., you know, he talked about he's grown up there before. Um, went to games at Dodger Stadium all the time, listened to Vin Scully on the radio. Um, he had even said previously that he wanted to play for the Dodgers at some point in his career. And I think this just kind of all meshed out well. You know, the Mets offered more overall money, but the Dodgers had it, um, you know, more pushed to the first two years of the contract rather than over the entire length of it. Uh, so I just think it was a perfect storm. You know, the Dodgers have the money. This is their type of deal. Short, uh, short years, high AAV. They did the same thing with Bryce Harper. You know, they offered him, I think it was four or five year deal at 45, 50 million a year. Um, so it, it just worked out, you know, now Bauer slots into that rotation with Walker Bueller, uh, Clayton Kershaw, David Price. I mean, they're, they're the only rotation that has three former Cy Young award winners and one who very well could win at any point in the next couple years in Walker Bueller. And you start looking at the list of names like Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Julio Urias, like who's going to be the fifth starter and then who's going to get bumped out of the rotation. So very good signing. I think it, the, 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 obviously the value you know, it's way above what he's probably worth, but this is kind of a perfect storm for both sides. Yeah, I, I think I can echo a lot of what you said. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good fit. I, I think if there's an organization that has embraced kind of what Trevor Bauer's personality is, it would be the Dodgers organization. I think there's some. I, I think Trevor Bauer is perfectly fine with his personality and stuff. Uh, most places, but you know, I think there's some places that it clashes with with the the thinking of the of the uh, organization you know I think it kind of did with the with Cleveland a little bit when he was there um, I think that's why they eventually traded him more so than the fact that they wanted to drop a salary or get or rebuild or anything like that but um, I think it's interesting um, you know uh, uh, to play the devil's advocate that the downside of Trevor Bauer is that you know in his career he's been inconsistent. 390 career ERA, 385 career FIP. Uh, he, he walks guys at times, 343 uh, career walks per nine. Um, you know, and, and this stat was obviously 20, 2018, I, I think, was nothing really of his fault that he got injured. It wasn't like a, you know, an elbow injury or shoulder injury or something that would worry you about his durability, but he's never had a 30 start season with a sub four ERA. Um, and he's getting paid the highest AAV contract ever for a pitcher. So um, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to look at. But you look at the, the good. In 2018, uh, he was outstanding. 221 ERA, 244 FIP, as you said. 2020, um, you know, the 173 ERA was a little bit lucky compared to his 288 FIP. But he was also a, had a 288 FIP, which is really good. Um, this is a guy who I, I think is probably going to be really solid i don't know if he'll put up another cy young caliber season this year but i think he'll be really good um you know you add him to that rotation and you know rocker bueller is going to be really good you know clay kershaw maybe not what he was in 2012 2013 2014 but he's still a really good pitcher um uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what they get out of david price but you add trevor bauer into that that conversation and you know that rotation is going to be really good um and then beyond that i mean i you know i'm not super i'm not as high on dustin may as a lot of people are but i think that urias and uh gonsolin are perfectly fine number five options so i think um you know this is a good deal for them the the, the high aav is kind of crazy you know 
it'll be interesting to see what happens with it, though. It'll be interesting to see if Trevor Bauer, as weird as he is, he might opt out after one year and abandon the $45 million. <laughs> so you never know what'll happen with him. But uh, I think this will be, I think this will end up being a good fit. And uh, obviously Trevor Bauer is extremely talented. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so, uh, but moving on, um, could sp- we could talk all day about those last two signings, but well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about thing, everything. One little thing I just want to put to that is, um, what the Dodgers pretty much did is in one fell swoop, they kind of just matched what the Padres have done in this entire offseason. We've talked a lot about the Padres this year and, and them going, you know, going after the Dodgers. And I think this kind of just says, like, okay, you guys were playing, you know, your moves, and well, here's our big move. Like, here's our chess move compared to all the moves you've done. And, and it kind of just, you know, I wouldn't say it, it, it pulls the Dodgers way ahead now, but it definitely, if they were even before, it definitely, you know, flips them up a little bit more or, or just even furthers that gap just a little bit more. Yeah, honestly, and to that point, I think that before this move, it felt to me like the Dodgers had maybe fallen behind the Padres going forward to this season because they had lost Justin Turner and Jock Peterson and Kike Hernandez, three pretty big pieces for them that, you know, I think the biggest strength they've had over the last several years has been their depth. And, you know, they lost three good players. You know, obviously they didn't lose a superstar, but three good players. And Justin Turner was close to a superstar at times. But, um, you know, the Padres had added so much. Blake Snell, you know, they had added uh, Hugh Darvish, uh, a couple of those big hitters, uh, you know, Joe Musgrove. But you've got, I think this probably puts the Dodgers back ahead. But that's going to be very interesting. I think you got the, the East, the NL East and the NL West are both going to be, I mean, the NL East is going to be a bloodbath to a certain level too, but I think two teams really stand out there uh, in the Braves and the Mets. And I guess maybe the Phillies are close to the Mets too, but, um, you know, in the West, I think you've got the Dodgers and the Padres really stand out as the two best teams out there. And I think it's going to be a really tight, close battle all season. It's be interesting to watch. So I'm so but, glad uh, I get to watch 18 games of that series this year. Yeah, it'll be entertaining for sure. There'll <laughs> be a lot of good pitching matchups in that series. For sure. So uh, moving on, um, we're going to talk about a quick trade or two, two trades, actually. One being very, very small, but... Um, the first one was, uh, I I thought was a little weird. It's interesting. Um, I'm not super, uh, it's not a super huge trade, but, uh, the Texas Rangers sent Elvis Andrews, uh, and, uh, catcher Ramos Garcia, as well as $13.5 million to Oakland, uh, for designated hitter, Chris Davis, uh, the one with the K, um, you know, the one with the C still plays the Orioles and somehow is still in the big leagues um, catcher Jonah Heim and uh, right-handed pitcher Dane Acker. Yeah, it's a weird deal. Um, you know, the, obviously the A's needed a shortstop um, and Elvis Andrews, who's been, you know, a cornerstone for that Texas Rangers team through the ones that were going to the world series. And, and even through these, these, you know, bad years, um, they pretty much had unseated him at shortstop. They had said that Isaiah Kiner Falefa was going to be the starting shortstop this year. Um, and you know, Elvis Andrews was, was happy to move into a utility role, which new, no player is ever happy to move from a starting role to a utility role after being in one organization in one spot for so long. Um, you know, they needed a shortstop, so pretty much they're going to get, and this was a swap of, of bad contracts for a bad contract kind of, um, 
you know, the A's are, are taking on a shortstop that'll be, you know, cost-controlled for the next couple of years, especially bringing that $13.5 million over from the Athletics. Uh, Elvis Andrus was owed $14 million in both 2021 and 2022, so pretty much they're getting him for two years, $15 million. Um, he does have a $15 million option for 2023 that I believe becomes vesting on um, plate appearances between the two years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Elvis Andrews maybe get benched next year for a prospect or later on, you know, get benched or flipped or something to a team contending. Um, and then Chris Davis, he had kind of fallen out of sorts in Oakland. Uh, and, and kind of this could be a, a thing where they, you know, new change of scenery would help him. But he's only signed through this year at $16.75 million. So it gets the Rangers a little bit more free cash for that rebuilding process, off, you know, especially after a bad year. And then the, the A's get a shortstop that they can you know, plug in and, and still kind of show that they're trying to contend, even though I don't know how much that's really going to help them, you know, losing some of the, their other pieces. But it's an interesting deal. It's a little weird, but it's a pretty much trading one year of your salary for two to three years of another salary. Yeah, that's it, it reminds me just a little bit of the uh, deal with uh, Matt Kemp to Atlanta um, or from, from San Diego to Atlanta. Um, when the Braves sent that Hector Oliveira to San Diego, who was a complete dead money because he was basically kicked out of the league, um, where you're basically trading a year, a couple years of salary relief because I think this deal is it, it's going to be like you said. I think the Rangers were looking for, uh, you know, past this season. They know they're not going to be good this season, and looking at moving. Uh, moving a guy um, who is signed after this season. And then uh, for the A's, it's interesting. Uh, Elvis Andrews hasn't been great the last few years. Before that, he had kind of had a, a career offensive breakout in 2016-2017 where he had put up over uh, 100 WRC plus for the first time in his career in back-to-back seasons. But this is a guy who's been a really good defensive player for a long time. and He's actually put up 28.1 career wins above replacement. So he's been a solid player for his career. Um, you know, 2020 only played 29 games. I think he battled a little bit of injury. And then, like you said, he, he didn't play every day uh, at the end of that. Um, I would expect him to kind of do what he's done for the most part, be a pretty good defensive shortstop. Uh, maybe not the best in the league, but, but, but solid and put up, you know, maybe just a little bit below league average uh, hitting statistics and, you know, lot will average out to a pretty good regular, um, you know, looking at the prospects that were sent back for, for Elvis Andrews, uh, along with Chris Davis, uh, Jonah Himes, actually a kind of interesting prospect. Um, he's going to be the number 11 prospect for the Rangers. He's got really good numbers in the upper minors so far. Uh, good hit tool. His raw power is pretty good, but he his game power is lacking. Um, and he plays def- decent defense at catcher. He, he's not an elite defensive catcher by any means, but he's got a pretty good arm and, uh, you know, pretty good blocking skills and everything. Um, so that'll be interesting. He'll, he, he's a guy who's got a good chance to stick there. And uh, Acker, Dane Acker, is actually uh, hasn't pitched in the minors yet. He was a 2020 draft pick, a fourth rounder out of Oklahoma. So um, it's hard to find very much about him. But, um, you know, I think it's interesting. I don't think this trade really affects all that much on either side. Um, you know, I think the A's, you look at a, you know, you're getting a guy of some value to put in at, plug in at shortstop. Um, I don't think it really affects the um, Rangers much at all. You got a somewhat interesting prospect in Heim coming back, 
I mean, Chris Davis, um, you know, probably going to hit 247 this year. Like he has for his, like, for what was it, four years in a row or something? He hit yeah. exactly 247. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, he does hit home runs, and it'll be interesting. Maybe he can hit, maybe he could have a good season this year, hit some home runs, get traded to an American League team who needs a DH. Um, but, um, not the biggest trade, but definitely something to keep an eye on. See how Elvis Andrews does in new colors for the first time in his career. Um, moving on, another trade that uh, involved the AL West um, is not a gigantic trade, but uh, Dexter Fowler got moved to the Angels, reunited with uh, Joe Madden, his former manager from when he was in Chicago with the Cubs. Um, he was moved along with some cash and a player to be named later is going back to St. Louis. So, um, not too much, uh, not too much to discuss there, but um, I think it's a pretty interesting move for the for the Angels. Yeah, I think this really came down to that the Cardinals were being honest with Dexter Fowler that he probably wasn't going to be playing much um, this year. You know, they, the Cardinals kind of wanted to move on from that, um, but they they still respected what he has done for them as a, as a leader and and as a player overall for for that team. So they kind of you know agreed with him that it was time to move on and they really tried to seek out a deal that he wanted as well um so going you know he's from las vegas area so going back to the angels is a kind of a home close to home type deal and then going back with joe madden as well um it's a really good deal for uh, for them he's making 14 and a half million dollars this year um but the cardinals i believe are picking up 13 million um of that they're picking up all but 1.75 so pretty close to about 13 million um you know fowler's not what he used to be he's going to be a solid stopgap for them to to use for the angels until you know maybe joe adele's ready or brandon marsh is ready um i think they want to get joe adele a little bit more time down in the minors um so to force not having to bring him up but you know nice little solid yeah. deal yeah, one, one interesting thing I wanted to mention about uh, Dexter Fowler is that when, when he's throughout his career, uh, he's a guy who has elite discipline at the plate. He, he walks a ton, especially for a guy like a little bit like Colton Wong, but you know to, to a higher level. I mean, he's got a career 13% walk rate almost. And this is a guy who he's not – I mean, he hits some home runs, but he's not a home run hitter. I mean, his career high is 19 in 2019. Um you know, in the last few years, it's weird. The last few years, his BABIP has dropped. 2018 was uh, he 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 was a he was bad. Negative 1.1 wins above replacement season. Had a 63 WRC plus, only hit 180. But he's had a 210 BABIP, which is a tr which is just completely unsustainably bad. So you know, you expect it to come back up. And his career, you know, his better years, he's been uh, he's been above 300 every year up until 2018 in BABIP and you know he's typically sat around you know somewhere between 310 and 350 he's had a couple of 350 BABIP seasons over over the course of entire season so you look at uh you know maybe the Angels can figure out what's causing that BABIP drop maybe he's trying a little bit of launch angle and it's not working well for him or or something but um you know I think it's interesting I, I you know his discipline stats other than the shortened season in 2020 where his strikeout rate was a little bit higher than it had been um, are still pretty good. I mean, you know, 13% walk rate 2019. Uh, his strikeout rate was up a little bit, but not anything crazy. You know, it still sat just a little above 20%. So, um, 
you know, he's a guy, he's pretty athletic. He can still steal some bases, uh, not maybe not quite as what he was doing in, early in his career, but, you know, he's still not slow. Um, you know, they might end up having a guy they can throw out there in right field, uh, pair out there with, um, you know, Mike Trout and, um, you know, Justin Upton and uh, maybe Joe Adele, depending on how he starts the season this year. And, uh, you know, if not, you got a fourth outfielder, so depth piece. And I think the Angels have desperately needed depth pieces the last few years. So I think it's a pretty good move for them. Yeah, not too bad. So, well, before we wrap up this show, we kind of just wanted to, to go an overview of, you know, kind of the, the top remaining free agents that we know of um, <clears throat> and just get a little preview of who our winners and losers will be um, or, or who we think they are so far in this offseason. So the top remaining free agent that we both have is Justin Turner. Um, you know, it's it, it's widely expected that he re-signs with the Dodgers, but it's not a given. Um, we've heard Bray has been interested. We've heard the Brewers. We've heard the Mets. Uh, we've heard the Blue Jays to a certain extent, although I think that's going to fade away now that they have Simeon and all that. But um, he's a name to definitely watch out for. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. is still out there. Um, basically, really only heard the Mets with him. Um, so, you know, heard that he wanted a four or five year deal. I'm not sure any team's really going to give him that. Um, James Paxton, you know, we've heard a little bit of preliminary interest from the Blue Jays and, and a couple other teams, but nothing really serious on him. I think teams are waiting to see what um how he responds he's been really injured prone the past couple years and i think he had elbow surgery during this year if i'm not mistaken um, some kind of some kind of surgery i don't remember if it was his elbow or i don't think it was tommy john though so he should no. be ready for i think he should be ready for opening day yeah um jake odorizzi is a name that we've heard really his market heat up in the past couple days you know the blue jays have been interested the brewers the mets um red Sox, uh twins have even talked about maybe bringing him back there's there's a lot of lot going on with Jake Odorizzi, so I wouldn't be surprised if he signed by our next episode. Um, Taiwan Walker is a name who I think is very underrated, and he just doesn't he hasn't gotten the market to develop this year. Um, you know he's been really bad, but he's shown potential for breakouts uh, if he gets in the right situation. Maybe uh, Kevin Pillar is a guy who's been really solid in his in his career for a long time. Um, you know he's probably not an everyday starter, but a fourth outfield type. Um, he can be really solid. Trevor Rosenthal, um, relief pitcher, is a name that I'm really surprised is not signed yet. Um, he was, you know, he bounced back this last year with the Royals and the and the uh, Padres and was really really good. His fastball showing the life again. His breaking ball showing um, the break it used to. Um, so really surprised he's not signed. Uh, Roberto Zuna um, is a name we haven't heard much about at all this off season. Um, you know, some people obviously will not like. Roberto Ozuna because of off-field past history. Um, there is rumors that he maybe has a deal with the Angels worked out, um, but that's not official. That's just from one of the sources from wherever he's from. Um, it hasn't been reported by any of the United States sources yet, so we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, a couple other relief pitchers just really quick. Brandon Workman doesn't have a deal. Um, was really bad last year with, with Philly and Boston. Uh, Mark Melanson, Shane Green, two former Braves relievers that played big parts in their bullpen this past year still aren't signed. Um, very surprising from those ones. Sergio Romo is a guy who I expected to be signed as well. You know, he's not what he used to be when he was with the Giants, um, but he's still been very solid. Um, it was really surprising the Twins said just straight out that they were moving on right away from this offseason. Um, so I probably going to get a minor league deal, which is kind of weird with the past couple seasons he's had been really, really good. 
Um, Ken Giles is a name who had Tommy John surgery. Um, I was expecting him to sign a two-year deal with somebody kind of like Tommy Canely has and what we see with starting pitchers. Low, you know, low money in the first year and, uh, you know, a little higher in the second year, but just to get that deal done. Um, but he's previous or recently come out and said that he just plans to not sign right now and wait until he's more healthy into the summer um, and potentially, you know, throwing at least starting to throw the ball again before he'll even consider signing some deals. Um, so those are pretty much the free agents we have left. Uh, you want to hit on any of them real quick? Yeah, just uh, a few guys. And, you know, we still have a week left before the players report. So I'm assuming that, you know, at least probably most of these relief pitchers get signed by then. And I would assume a majority of the these these hitters, too. There's still a, several other free agents out there that are more low profile but, um, you know, these guys, I think, will likely end up, at least in the first week of spring training, get get that contract. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, out of the relief pitchers, I mean, the relief pitching market moves a little bit slower sometimes. Uh, teams wait to see how much money they have left to spend. I know there's several contenders that still need uh, some, some pitching. I, I mean... You look at, you know, just to look at some of the contenders in the in the National League. You look at the Braves, probably need a right-handed reliever. Uh, the Padres need a couple of relievers they, because after the loss of uh, Kirby Yates and Trevor Rosenthal, you know, they definitely need relievers. Um, you know, I, I, there's several teams that still need something. You know, the Yankees could maybe add another reliever from the right side after uh, shipping off um, Ottavino. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, and then, you know, a lot of these guys have been kind of put, in, you know, there's, there's, there's been rumors on a lot of these top starting pitchers and, and position players too. Cause uh, I think, uh, you know, you look at Justin Turner and I don't know what the situation is with the Dodgers money now, if they can afford a Justin Turner, depending on what he wants to sign for, uh, you know, they're already very high above the salary cap plus, I think they're like $50 million ahead of the number two team in payroll. So I don't know what their cap is on that, but uh, it is the Dodgers. So I guess it's kind of hard to tell, uh, you know, Jackie Bradley, you're looking at the Mets, James Paxton. I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't end up in, in Toronto. He's, he's Canadian. And uh, I think that's a place that, you know, he threw his no hitter there a couple of years ago. It was real emotional about that. I think that that's a place he probably wants to be. And, you know, I think he'd be a good candidate to help in that, in that, uh, rotation uh tywin walker is a guy who i'm not super surprised hadn't signed yet he he's a guy that you know his peripherals aren't great um you know even though he had a pretty good era this season jaco de i'm sure he'll sign somewhere in the next week or two um and then uh kevin pilar is one of those guys who i think it's it's another it's, it's a bench bat type and everyone needs a bench bat at this point or a fourth outfielder so um it'll be interesting to see what happens there but um so far we you know Justin Turner, I think on a lot of sites was like the seventh to 10th ranked free agent. So we've got a lot of the free agents have signed so far. So kind of want to go into some winners and losers here in the last few minutes before we finish up the episode. Yeah. You know, a couple of the winners we have is the Blue Jays who we've talked a lot about, you know, signing Marcus Simeon, Kirby Yates, George Springer, um, you know, trading for Steven Matz, which be that what you may. Yeah. I don't know about Uh, that one, but (laughs) it's still a move that they made this year. Um, You know, the, the, they're showing that they're ready to go for it. Um, you know, hoping for big steps from Biggio and Bachet and Vlad Jr. I mean, this is going to be the year where Vlad Jr. is going to have to step up and really prove that he's the prospect that everybody thought he was. Um, 
you know, the Padres, we, which we've talked about all offseason, they've made high-profile moves to catch the Dodgers. Blake Snell, Yu Darvish, uh, bringing in Ha-Sung Kim. Um, I mean, I know Joe Musgrove. I know they, I'm missing another guy they brought oh, in. They brought back Profar. Uh, Profar. You know, they, they've made the moves to go out there and prove that they're ready as well. Um, so, you know, they're, they're another winner we have. The Braves, you know, re-signing Ozuna is a big deal for that team. You know, like you said, they could still use a couple of uh, bullpen arms. You know, signing Charlie Morton, that's going to be a very underrated thing as well for that rotation. Um, you know, especially with the uncertainty with Mike Soroka of what he's going to be, um, how healthy he's going to be this year. Having Charlie Morton as another guy so Soroka doesn't have to feel that he has to rush himself back or, you know, carry so much of a burden that he hurts himself again. Um, that's very big. And, you know, on my side, at least, you know, Matt, can you can, you know, counter this if you want to i think the dodgers are, are still a winner this offseason you know we're still up in the air about justin turner they've lost you know jock peterson kike hernandez but re-signing blake trinan was really big um signing cory canable tommy canely those you know just depthing out that bullpen and then the trevor bauer move um you know if you talked to me before this week if who was a winner i wouldn't say the dodgers but signing trevor bauer i, I mean that's a game changer to me um that really pushes the Dodgers back and just furthers, you know, that they are probably the best team. Yeah. I think, I think that's pretty accurate on all those, you know, you look at the Dodgers and, you know, those losses, I I put a little question mark by it in my notes because those losses do hurt, but, you know, I think adding to that bullpen was very important because we saw the struggles that Kenley Jansen had at times last year, getting out of whack a little bit. And, uh, you know, you're looking at a Bruce Graterall being the Bruce Dar Graterall being the you know closer, and he's young. He had done it a lot, so bringing bringing back those bullpen arms is big. And then obviously, if you had Trevor Bauer, he was most people's number one free agent. You know that that really helps. Um, but uh, you know the other there, I mean Braves. You got to remember Drew the Drew Smiley signing too. I think that's going to end up doing pretty well. Uh, as he, I think he might end up being kind of a swing guy, and that's going to be real important. Uh, the Braves had terrible depth in the rotation last year, and now they've got probably six or seven guys who would be on most in most rotations with with still having a pretty good top of the rotation. So I think that was those are a couple good moves. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays added the most to their offense without anybody. They added probably the best hitter, not the best position player, which I think a lot most people think is JT Realmuto, but the best hitter in the offseason in George Springer, who's still a good defensive player as well. And they added, uh, you know, Marcus Simeon, who is an MVP candidate just year before last um, and battle injuries in a short season. So uh, but, you know, take a look at some of the teams that are losers this offseason, too. And I think, um, you know, one of these is going to be pretty controversial because they have added a lot. But uh, you look at the Indians, uh, you know, they seem like they're still kind of want to contend in, in a weird way. I mean, they, they got a good rotation still. But uh, they lost. They traded Lindor. They they just uh, you know declined the option on hand. They traded you know longtime Indian Carlos Carrasco. They added Rosario and Hernandez back. Uh, Rosario being a new guy that organization, and then Cesar Hernandez that you know bringing them back for a second season. Uh, they lost Carlos Santana too, didn't they? Um, yep. So yeah. So uh, you know if you're you know, it's almost looks a little bit like a fire cell, but at the same time, 
they still haven't traded all their pieces. You know, they, they're signing players to major league contracts and they're, you know, holding on to their most valuable piece and Jose Ramirez that they could trade um, that, you know, as a veteran. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, Shane Bieber, I think, would be a potential guy that, that would move on and become the, you know, part of the next wave of Indians that contend. But so I, I doubt they would trade him regardless, the defending Cy Young winner and, you know, a guy who, in this in the shortened season of course but looked like one of the best pitchers in baseball so um but i thought that was kind of a weird off season and you know they took a step back the cubs i think have taken a big step back um you know they're kind of looking like they might stand pat a bit but they also already traded darvish and they lost shorber to a non-tender but they've added a few pieces they added jock peterson and andrew chafin uh zach davies they added through the darvish trade but still that was kind of weird. You know, they, they lost Albert Almora as well. They're, they're not tendering and trading away players, but they aren't really going full blown trade. And they have a lot of rentals on their team still. And like Chris Bryant and, um, you know, Javier Baez. And I thought that was kind of a weird move. They, Oh, and they lost John Lester too. They didn't bring him back and refused to pay him a, like a $3 million salary that he asked to come back. So that was really weird. In my opinion, the reds, I, I've been kind of stunned at what they were doing all off season because I felt like their roster was still really good and maybe had just a couple pieces, a couple turnarounds on their offensive side away from being a real contender, but they didn't even attempt to resign Trevor Bauer. Um, they, um, you know, they signed, uh, they, they non-tendered Archie Bradley. They, who ended up signing a pretty good deal with the Phillies they lost. Uh, they traded Rizal Iglesias, which didn't make a ton of sense to me. You know, a guy who's on last year of his deal, but he's a really solid relief pitcher. And then they signed a guy who really hasn't been good in the last few years, and Sean Doolittle, um, who you know has struggled mightily the last two years and has battled some injuries as well. And then, you know, the controversial one, I think it's the Mets and I put them in here. They, now they have added, they have added for sure. They added Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, which is huge, especially Lindor. But the Mets were talking about being in on everybody and spending stupid money in free agency. Like some teams have said, and at times people were talking about them being in on Trevor Bauer, obviously. And I think the Mets might've saved a lot of their money for Trevor Bauer. Uh, but they didn't sign him, and they were supposedly going after George Springer, didn't sign him. They were supposedly going after Marcelo Zuna, didn't sign him, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. The Mets were supposedly in on everybody and didn't sign anybody, and it turns out the best signing they made, now that they, they did get Lindor through trade, but Lindor is also a one-year rental, you got to remember. Best signing the Mets made was James McCann, and they signed a pretty big contract for a guy who's really only had one decent season, like only one season where he was legitimately a everyday player. So uh, that was interesting. And then uh, Jonathan VR, they just signed today. And, you know, that's more of a depth piece than anything else. So um, I, I can't forget also the, the Trevor May signing. They added to their bullpen a little bit. But, I mean, I, I felt like the Mets had an opportunity. They were talking about how much they were going to raise their payroll, new ownership. There, were, there was so much excitement, and they really didn't add much compared to what people were expecting them to. So um, I definitely don't think they did enough to catch the Braves, and I think they're still kind of neck and neck with the Phillies. So um, 
I think those are probably the losers. And of, of course, the Mets with their additions are still, you know, that's kind of controversial. You could even put them in the winners category, adding Lindor, but, um, but it's interesting to look at. Yeah, I think to even put to the Mets pushing them to the winners, that would be really have to wait until after this season, um, because you have to see what they do with Lindor. Um, you know, if they're able to get a deal done to re-sign him, which you would expect it, but it's not done. So you can't write that down on paper, you know? Um, so we'll see. I mean, pretty much everyone you hit on it is absolutely right. You know, I feel bad for Indians fans right there right now, because that's going to be a really bad road that they're starting to head down in that, you know, they're, they're in that purgatory right now where they're not going to win, but they're not going to lose. So they're going to be right in that gray area and you do not want to be in that gray area during a rebuild time. Um, it's just going to further hurt your, you know, the time you're going to come back to be contending. Um, yeah. and, and the Cubs are, or the Cubs are right around that same thing as well. Yeah. I think one thing you can mention on the Indians is that with the current structure of their team, I think there is an outside chance with the rotation pieces they have and some of the pieces they've added in the last couple of years in the field, especially in the outfield, that the Indians could see themselves in contention in that division. I mean, the Twins are going to be pretty good. The White Sox, I think, are going to be really good. You could almost add the White Sox to winners this offseason, too. But, um, you know, you look at the Indians and, you know, they still got probably the you know, up and coming best pitcher in baseball. I will probably wouldn't call him that yet, but he's getting close. And Shane Bieber. And then you've got a couple of other really good pieces in that rotation and uh Savali and you got uh Zach Plezak and uh you know, then you look at the the lineup, they still got Jose Ramirez, they they bring back Hernandez, um, you know, they've added Naylor last year. He he seemed to kind of start to turn it on and figure things out. You know, you maybe look for a bounce back from Fran Mil Reyes. Um you know, you bring in Andres Jimenez and uh, Ahmed Rosario for the Mets. So you still do have decent pieces at shortstop and, and in the middle infield to go along with, the, uh, you know, although losing Lindor is huge, obviously he's a much better, much better current player than those two guys. But, um, you know, I, I think the Indians strategy to me seems to be like they're going to be the team that sells at the deadline, assuming that they're out of it. And I think that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, you know, teams will start to really kind of get desperate at the deadline with the lack of, I think they're, I don't think there's going to be too many teams selling big pieces. And then you look at a team that might be selling an MVP level player like Jose Ramirez. And uh, I think that might be a, an interesting uh, look at the Indians and maybe even the Cubs too. You know, if the Cubs are doing really good and Chris Bryant looks like Chris Bryant and Javier Baez bounces back and they, you know, Jock Peterson plays really well in the new uniform. Jason Hayward and Ian Happ continue what they did, you know, but the Cubs aren't really doing that well because they're pitching. Then you might get to see the Cubs have some guys rebuild value and then move them at the deadline to contenders if, if they're not there. And, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Cubs or the Indians to be not non-contenders at the deadline too. They, they could end up adding at the deadline. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I could absolutely see the Cubs still making deals before this year. Uh, the oh, absolutely. Starts. I mean, the offseason is not over. This is just their um, current. Like, I mean, so. if the, the Cubs end up trading everybody before the season starts, I, I'd be a little surprised that they would do it this late. No, but, I, I think if anybody you know. does, I mean, the one that's going to be, it's going to be Chris Bryant. Um, yeah. I don't. They're not going to move Rizzo, and I doubt they move Javi Baez. Um, if they move anybody, it's going to be Chris yeah. Bryant. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and that could be that could be a move when if Justin Turner doesn't resign with the Dodgers, maybe the Dodgers go to the Cubs and, and try and get Chris Bryant. So. Yeah, we'll see. And like I say, with the Dodgers, other stuff that they could potentially add, I don't know how their money situation is after the. Their their money's just fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I just don't know how much they can add. You know, I'm sure that they can add something, but you know, I just don't know what it looks like. From from everything I've heard, that they're blowing past the luxury tax tax this year. They don't. They're not looking at the luxury tax this year because it's they're going to be a first time offender, so the amount's going to be minimal. So right now they're they're only going to be paying like seven point two million, um, and that's the, I mean that's without a third baseman. But if they if they do do a trade and they have to trade somebody, there's enough salary somewhere where they can trade and get off. You know Joe Kelly's eight million dollars. Um, you know if they want to trade David Price, that's fifteen to sixteen million dollars. So there's plenty yeah. of money out there if they need to move it. But it doesn't sound like they're in any any trouble because yeah. past well, don't know. trouble past trouble's not the word I was looking well, for. I was just looking well, for adding twenty more million to it, the current what, well what I'm trying to tell you is that they don't care because in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four they have basically zero contracts on the book books right now. Yeah. So they're they're not afraid to add more this right now. But yeah. well we'll see what they end up doing. It'll be interesting. I I'll uh, look forward to seeing what happens here. So, yeah. Well, this one's been a little bit extra longer, but we felt that uh, you know, we should bring that to you just right before spring training starts. Um, you know, maybe next week, depending on the moves, we'll dive in a little bit deeper to some other stuff that's happened. You know, through this off season that we haven't been able to spend enough time on or something. But uh, at least for now, you got anything else you want to wrap up on? Not really. Um, you know, we're like we talked about, we're getting down to, you know, most of the top free agents assigned. There's still a few out there that are going to be impact players next year. But, um, you know, we're starting to look at teams and, you know, what each team has and, you know, maybe who the contenders are going to be, who the favorites are going to be, who's the teams that, you know, probably aren't going to be quite so good. Um, you know, I think it's going to be an exciting season. I'm really, really, really glad that they're going to start on time and that, you know, I, I think it's going to go really well starting when they do. Every other professional sports organization has been playing. I mean, obviously, there's some challenges involved, but for the most part, I've been playing without a hitch uh, this year. Um, you know, you look at, you know, hopefully maybe by the time that um, the season starts here in April, the beginning of April or end of March, you might look at maybe having some fans in the stands. I'm sure it probably wouldn't be full capacity, but, you know, other sports are doing it just fine you know even the nba which has been really 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 probably the most cautious organization uh during this whole pandemic has been uh allowing some fans in some arenas so um you know i'm excited to get back to seeing you know hopefully my braves play in person this year and uh you know seeing some some other teams play and you know maybe by the end of the year we'll have a normal end of the season pennant chases postseason with full crowds and all the craziness and you know, I miss that. I miss it so much. You know, the last week or so I've been, you know, watching YouTube videos and stuff of, you know, games from the last several years and just the amount of crazy, you know, fan reactions is so much fun. And, you know, it's something that's sorely missed in all sports right now. So I've been doing the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I can't uh, wait to see it back. So just itching for that to get back. But, anyways, we've rambled for way too long already. But, uh, Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.